From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we're learning from our esteemed veteran registered investment advisor, Adam Morse, and our human economic database and fearless CIO, Michael French. And today, we're talking about the CARES Act and how those benefits may provide relief not only to individual Americans, but also the impact it'll have on the overall economy. It was a great discussion. And again, guys, we're doing this over the phone, so you might notice some crackling and uh, some other noise. Just please bear with us. Uh, We hope you and your family are staying safe during this time. We appreciate you listening. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing excellent. Uh, surviving quarantine life. How about you, Adam? Same. I'm making it over here, but uh, I'm doing good today. That's excellent. So today we're going to talk about the uh, the CARES Act, which stands for the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Securities Act. Um, and so we just want to give a brief overview. And Michael, we'll start with you. What is this CARES Act? Well, the CARES Act is uh, basically a stimulus package. It is a uh, set of laws that are, I guess, one law, but uh, that's been enacted by Congress that is going to distribute a lot of money into the economy to give people um, employment security, to help people through kind of something that's a little unprecedented. Um, And we've never shut the economy down. People have never been told stay, well, not never. It's very rare that people have been told stay home from work. And so I think the government has said, well, if we're going to tell you to stay home, we're going to have to somehow make that uh, affordable for you. So that's that's essentially what the CARES Act is. And it has uh, a lot of benefits for different people. I know Adam's been doing uh, a lot of work with individual clients and, and probably can talk to us about you know, some of the benefits that, that people are most concerned about. Yep. Yeah. So first of all, we should state that there's a lot of different provisions for a lot of different groups uh, in the CARES Act. I mean, obviously, there's kind of divided up the, the $2.2 trillion between you know, big corporations, small businesses, healthcare industry, educational, you know, entities. We're going to focus today, though, mainly on on individuals, on uh, on consumers, um, because I think that's kind of the most applicable and, and what most people are kind of having questions about. And obviously, we do have a lot of folks that we, we talk to on a regular basis that are small business owners. So if that's you, reach out, be happy to talk to you and answer any questions that you have. But today we're going to yeah. focus on a couple of the main things. Um, the first is obviously the, the stimulus check, right? So just the cash payment. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that basically is a straightforward proposition, right? It's a one-time payment, um, and it's it's $1,200 for every taxpayer that makes less than seventy-five k as a single filer, okay? So it gets phased out above seventy-five k um, If you're a married couple, I believe it's a hundred and is it one hundred and fifty? One hundred and fifty, uh, and it gets phased out. I believe up at two hundred. If you make yeah, over like two hundred, yeah, yeah. Right. So basically, the, the the way to look at this is, if you're a family of four, um, you're going to get twelve hundred for each each uh, spouse, assuming you make less than one hundred and fifty, plus five hundred per child. So you'd be looking at thirty four hundred dollars coming in the door 
one time uh, as a result of the CARES Act. So is that is that taxable, these these checks that are coming in for these people? No, and that's one of the, the big benefits is this is not income. This is a benefit in the true sense of the word. So you are not going to be taxed on this money. Uh, this gets to go straight into your uh, bank account. I know I've heard some reports of folks already receiving it. Uh, so you may have already gotten it. Um, and it is going to be based on on your 18 return, unless you are one of the folks that have already fired, filed your 19 return. Uh, but in any case, no, it is not taxable. So this is this is purely uh, uh, a benefit. Right. And then we can also talk about unemployment. Um, I know that's one of the very common questions. You know, unfortunately, had a lot of conversations with folks that are either already unemployed, furloughed, um, mm -hmm. you know, facing the prospect of unemployment. So this is a really common question. And one of the things that the CARES Act does is it, it has broadened who qualifies for unemployment. Um, it's also varied the amount, obviously, uh, but that's going to vary oftentimes by state because state unemployment laws vary, obviously. So how that interacts specifically with where you live you do want to do your research um, and make sure that you're understanding that correctly. But just know that your your common uh, conception of who qualifies is now much broader. So don't assume that there's no way you qualify. You definitely want to do your due diligence because there is a good chance um, that if you have been affected by this negatively as it relates to your employment, that you do qualify. Yeah, right. which is, is is interesting, Adam. We were talking about this earlier. People who are uh, recently retired frequently work part time, and yep. uh, part time employment uh, is now you know traditionally may not have been covered. Now people are going to be able to uh, file for unemployment depending on state states, but you know the federal government has has indicated they they will be eligible, and additionally. Uh, be eligible for an enhanced benefit. So um, it, it does not hurt to check and see, am I eligible for a benefit that I might normally not be eligible for? Right. Absolutely. And there's a lot of online information that we can post in the show notes as well, too, and links to all that. Not that you don't know where it is, but. Right. Yeah. And then also, I, I did want to point out, too, um, one of the, the big ways the government's trying to help is with retirees. Um, obviously, retirees are being hit in a unique way because the not only are they in need of an income like everybody else, but they don't have an earned income, and their assets are absolutely being affected by all the market volatility that we're seeing and the drops in equity values. So one of the ways the government's trying to help with that is if you are retired and you are required to take a RMD, a required minimum distribution, um, they are giving you a, a pass, basically a one-time waiver for the tax year 2020. So it's really helpful because in, in two ways. One, it gives you the ability to not sell assets in a, in a down market. Um, and two, if you have the ability to reduce your expenses, it gives you the ability to reduce your earned income uh, for the year. So that should reduce your tax liability. Now, I know that a lot of folks are sitting here going, well, I don't have the ability to not take that income. I have to. And that's okay. Hopefully you have, you know, somewhere designed in your portfolio that is relatively stable you can go to, or potentially you've already raised the cash in anticipation of having an RMD. 
Um, it's not the end of the world, but if you have the ability to defer and not take your RMD, it does help you. It's going to let you keep that cash invested so that it can wait for the recovery and, and rebound. And it's going to reduce your tax liability and, and reduce some of the burden there. Um, and there are also a lot of other provisions, Michael. I, I know you were talking about uh, some some provisions that will allow you to uh, access your 401k without penalty, access uh, IRA right. early without right. penalty. Uh, yeah. And just, just talk about some of the, the benefits, but also some of the potential pitfalls. Well, yeah, I think down in the show notes, Jared, you're also going to put, we put it, we, 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 uh, published an article that basically walked people through the pros and cons of withdrawing money from different places, uh, different different sources of income right now, because I think that's just really the big concern is, is cash flow right now. So uh, there's an article in the show, uh, a link to an article down in the show notes. But but um, you can you can now access your 401k uh, or access an IRA. We'll talk about an IRA because it's kind of what we deal with, what we're more familiar with. Um, you can access your four, uh, IRA now, um, take the money out, and normally if you haven't reached uh, age 59 and a half, you're going to pay a 10% penalty on that money. Um, that's being waived. The other thing is you're able to uh, repay that money. Uh, you're, you're going to repay that money over the next three years uh, to uh, replenish that account. And so it's it's a way that if you are really um, needing money. And that is, you know, the last place that you, you have to go and get it. Um, that's available to you. Uh, if you, if you have questions about your specific situation, because you want to be careful, we're, we're definitely not giving people financial advice, telling them take it from here, take it from there. It's going to vary by person and by your unique situation. Um, one of the things though, the, the main thing that you want to consider is this is a short term, yep. and by short term, I mean within 12 to 18 months, this will not be the, the, the thing that is um, the major concern for our economy. Uh, the mm -hmm. coronavirus won't be the major concern for our economy. So do not make decisions that are going to have a long-term impact just to get out of this short-term pain. Um, mm -hmm. Make sure that the decisions that you're making are with a long-term view. So if you if you need the cash, take it, for instance, out of investments, if you had to sell something, look and determine what is least likely to uh, have a long-term recovery. Or, um, and, and I think we're gonna talk about in the next podcast, you know, what what is going to recover next? Yep. Um, so I think the, the other thing that's that's interesting is so we we've, we've had the CARES Act, but Jared, one of the things you had act, asked, well, what was the impact or how big of a deal was this? What was you had asked that question earlier, and what was that exactly? Yeah. Um, I asked you what the impact of the CARES Act would be on GDP. Okay, so uh, it's. It's interesting if you look at this historically, um, Adam and I, it, it was kind of jaw dropping just across the firm, across probably the world, if you if you understood US GDP. So let's back up. GDP is stands for gross domestic product, and it basically is the sum of everything that the United States produces. Right. And uh, in dollar values, the United States produces twenty two trillion dollars of stuff. Um, so each year, know, each year, uh, well, in, in, 
each year. Uh, that's in 2019, I guess. So right. let's say in 2019. Now, the the growth in GDP, we would expect to be maybe 5%. We had a 5% growth. What you might say is, well, the next year, we would expect GDP to be $23 trillion. The impact that this has had is that we are going to have a reduction in GDP. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But so if you think about $22 trillion, uh, you can't wrap your head around that. That's an enormous number. But the CARES Act, the third part of the CARES Act, which is what we're focusing on today, uh, produced or provided $2.2 trillion uh, of stimulus. So all of this money that's going out is about 10% of GDP. Now, the question is, historically, how does that relate to other stimulus packages that we've had in times of crisis? So right. uh, in 2008, we had the uh, financial crisis that uh, led to a stimulus package that at the time, our GDP in 2008 was 14, about $14 trillion. We had a stimulus package that was about $800 million so about 5.7%, a little more than half, but you know, not anywhere near the size of this stimulus package as a percent of GDP. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go back to uh, World War, and this is kind of interesting, World War II, uh, we had a revenue act of 41, 42, and 43 in those, those three years. Uh, combined, we raised 8.4% of our GDP at that time. Wow. And, um, then the New Deal, which is kind of the, the mother of all stimulus packages, uh, was to uh, kind of counteract the Great Depression. And we raised 40% of GDP, but it was the spending actually occurred over seven years. Uh, so it was about 5.7% annually. So when we use words, when you hear words like historic and unprecedented for this stimulus package, it really is true. It is almost double any stimulus package that we have ever created or ever produced as a country. Wow. So I think the next question you have to ask is you say, okay, well, it's a historically large number. And then the question becomes, well, will it be enough? And this mm -hmm. is kind yeah. of a time where Different people have different opinions. Uh, you you can listen all day and all night and drive yourself crazy. <laughs> so uh, I think you know we have some some studies that we've looked at and some thoughts. Um, Adam, if I said to you or the question you're getting from clients when they ask you, okay, so if we've done all this, mm -hmm. is it enough? How do you respond to that? Yeah. So. In my opinion, um, and again, my opinion mm -hmm. is, um, I'm certainly hopeful that it is enough. Um, <laughs> I think that any time we're borrowing from future growth, future output, got to be extremely, extremely careful. Because that's what we're doing. We are mm -hmm. borrowing from our future GDP, and it assumes growth. Um, I do think that uh, here, here's my gripe with it. Um, I've, I wish there was a way, and maybe they couldn't have been. There's a lot smarter people than me that, you know, at least I'd like to believe a lot smarter than me <laughs> that, are, that are putting this together. But 
I'm not entirely sure that $1,200, if you're facing the prospect of unemployment and you've lost your job, the $1,200 is being, is designed to stimulate the economy, right? For that individual right. to right. keep them participating in the economy. Right. But just common using common sense, it would seem to me that if $1,200 is going to be the difference between making it or not, that money is going to go to things like rent, utilities, you know, absolute essentials like food. If you need health care, it's going to go to that. I don't imagine that $1,200 is going to be going into, you know, things like your, your local, you know, uh, shops. Yeah. And so my, I, I guess my question would be, and then on the flip side of that, if you, if you don't need the 1200, if, if you have not been unemployed and things are relatively steady in your household, Mm-hmm. Is that twelve hundred dollars? Is that a good use of that twelve hundred dollars in terms of yeah. on a societal level? Should we be giving yeah. twelve hundred dollars to people that don't need it, or should we have tried to be more fine tuned in our way of funneling this money? And I realize that you know it's not just the the payout of the twelve hundred; it's also unemployment, which is additional benefits to the people that need it. Yeah. But I'm just looking across the board and saying, well, I know for a fact there's a lot of people out there that don't need an extra twelve hundred dollars. Not everybody has lost their job. Yeah. And well, so it, it's the 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 interesting thing is, Adam, if you said right now what is unemployment, it, it may be between ten and fifteen percent. Let's take the high number. That means fifteen percent of Americans who can work are unemployed. Right. What's a hundred percent minus fifteen percent? Eighty-five percent. So eighty-five percent of people who got this stimulus check to your point, aren't unemployed. Didn't yep. necessarily, I mean, send me $1,200 and I'll spend it. You know, send, send most people $1,200 and they'll spend it. They'll do something, they'll give it away, they will spend it, they will invest it. The money will be used. It's a question of, uh, I, I guess I just did I like, need I, it? Yeah, I, I guess my question is, the people that actually need it, I feel like almost are getting a half measure. And maybe yes. I'm wrong, but it's, well, it's don't give a half measure at the benefit of people that need no measure at all. Yeah. Uh, so let me let me just say even that uh, I can tell stories about people who, you know, friends of mine who have had to let people go, who have, you know, actually needed to hire people back and have been honest with the people and said, hey, by the way, because of your job and what you do, um, if you do come back now and we need you for this part-time work, you're going to make less than you're making right now in unemployment. And people are like, Oh, okay. So it's almost (laughs) like you've created an incentive, an incentive. And, and this is not, you know, I know that there's a lot of politics behind that and not interested in that piece of it, but it it is, it is obvious that uh, when, when Adam says there are people smarter than him that are doing these things, I think, when we initially just said we're going to send twelve hundred dollars to every everybody, uh, you know, a lot of people in in my community um, immediately said, "Well, who needs this money? Because I'm going to get it, and I don't need it. So I'd love to help somebody." And so you right. started looking at people who were unemployed and unemployed people, you know, who were who were at the lower end of of an income range. Uh, we're saying, well, I don't actually need it. My unemployment is pretty good, which and, makes and I'm me. I'm glad you brought up the the political point. Yeah, because I can already hear, you know, people hearing me say, 
that basically yeah. and 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 assuming you know all Adam's young he's he's a millennial technically um yeah you know of course he's probably going to have left leaning or more you know uh I I hesitate to use the word socialist but more uh populist sure. views um and that's not the case I am not coming at this from a political standpoint and that's honestly not my political bent anyway yeah uh, my viewpoint is purely from an economic perspective what is the best use of this dollar what's the opportunity cost of not spending that dollar yeah um, or, or, or of spending this money in certain ways so i look at it and i say well as an economy my interest is in the economy being as healthy as possible because that benefits everyone yeah right. so is it better to give twelve hundred dollars to a guy or a gal that doesn't need it at the expense of giving not enough to the person that does if ultimately that person still loses their job which harms the economy long term yeah. I'd rather that person get more money for a little bit longer period of time so that ultimately on the other side of this, that person can still be in their home, you know, still provide for their family, keep their kids in school, and hopefully to these small businesses, keep people employed so that long term, everyone is better off. It has nothing to do with, you know, a humanitarian viewpoint or a political viewpoint at all. Well, it's, right. it's, it's and, interesting because down in the show notes, we have a study from uh, Wharton, University of Pennsylvania, the Wharton School. And um, one of the things that they do is they go kind of uh, category by category through the stimulus and they try to determine what the, uh, you know, if you spent a dollar, what is the multiplier that that has on the economy? So if you spend a dollar and it produces a dollar of GDP growth uh, or, you know, GDP, then that's a good use of a dollar. If you spend a dollar and it produces a dollar twenty-five, that's good. And of course, you have low ends and high ends, and then ultimately there's an estimate. And so, uh, one of the things that that you find is that a lot of this money um, does not necessarily help in the short term uh, to alleviate the fact that there's going to be a slowdown in GDP, and that's just it's kind of a no-brainer. When you send uh, approximately 30% of the economy has been kind of put on hold. So when you send 30% of people home and you say, close your restaurant, um, virtually every restaurant around me is now open for takeout, but they're doing 10% of the business that they normally do. Mm -hmm. And uh, gas, good grief, is selling for less than a dollar in some places. But mm -hmm. I mean, I'm getting like three weeks to the gallon at this point. There's, <laughs> yeah. it's not miles per gallon. It's it's weeks. I'm getting I'm getting three weeks per gallon. And so what am I going? I stole that from somebody, a good friend of mine. But but what are you going to do to encourage? I mean, like, are we all supposed to just get in our cars and drive around so that you know? So Excellent. the oil yeah. industry, the gas industry. So there's just a there's no question that we're going to have a slowdown in GDP. We're going to have unemployment. I think the other thing that's interesting, um, there was a uh, kind of a chart that I sent you guys the other day that talked about the number of days in this quarter that we've actually been shut down versus the number of days this quarter that China has been shut down or that Germany or these other countries. And so it's not just this quarter that we're going to see a slowdown in GDP. It's actually going to probably uh, be more pronounced in the second quarter. Yep. Um, but, you know, the good news is that I think we would we would all kind of look and say, well, 
there's a um, there's there's an end in sight, and the end is pretty much well. When we get a vaccine or a cure, we'll know. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, we're already starting to talk about reopening the economy in waves. You know, different different sections of the economy. Um, I think that's encouraging because what you see, uh, I think yesterday, Tuesday, uh, you saw a bunch of people coming out and, you know, stock prices went up. Um, and it looked as if, uh, you know, everybody was super happy. And then today they go back down. Um, I think one thing you should just expect is there's going to be a lot of volatility that people are going to over respond to every hint of a vaccine, every hint of a cure. Um, every little bit of good news is going to cause things to move up a thousand points. Potentially, every bad piece of news can cause things to drop by a thousand points. And so, don't react to stuff like that. Um, next podcast, I know we're going to talk about uh, what what we see uh, in markets, how we would position, uh, advise people to kind of position themselves to take advantage of a recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately you do know that this ends at some point and there are companies that have been vastly undervalued. There are industries that right now are basically still on fire sale prices. Um, there are, and the U S treasury has said it will now buy corporate debt down to, uh, down and beneath triple B rated bonds. Uh, there's a lot of limitations on that, but it's essentially like uh, it's a little bit like the federal government saying, hey, even though you have a not great credit score, we'll buy those bonds for you. And so right. if you, you know, if you're making investment decisions based on information from a month ago, you're going to want to change your point of view based on these almost daily changes that the Fed uh is implementing. So I I know we're going to talk more about that next time, but yeah. So if, if you're one of those people that, that you've got your stimulus check and you don't need it to cover day-to-day stuff, you definitely want to check out our episode next week because um, it's going to be directly related to how you might be able to put that money to good use Um, and do your part as a citizen. You know, the best thing you can do is, is to invest um, and and get this thing back on track. So definitely pay attention uh, to the space next week and, um, hopefully, you know, we'll all continue to learn as we go and, and help get everybody through this as best as we possibly can. Perfect. Uh, Michael, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, man. I uh, hope everybody is staying safe. Hope people have uh, been able to find some way to keep themselves mentally healthy. And uh, I know everybody has caught up on Netflix. I uh, talked to a friend last <laughs> night and he gave me two new ideas for shows. Uh, we've actually been really busy. So, yeah. I have not gotten a chance to watch all of the Netflix shows that everybody else got a chance to watch. But yeah, I keep I'm hoping someday. talk about all this spare time. You know, yeah. It's a great time to catch up on stuff. I'm like, hang on. What are you talking about? I have less spare time than I've had maybe ever. ever. Yeah. Ever. Uh, this has been one of the busiest months of my life for sure. So. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. You guys take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. So, good. Thanks, Jerry. Bye, guys. 
If you have a question for either Michael or Adam, just go to assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact info, mention links to articles and studies, show notes, and more. That's assetbuilder.com slash podcast. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com. Thank you.